Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Feature a person Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Joining me as always is my 10-year-old co-host. Would you like to say hi? Hello! Outstanding. And what she and I are going to do, uh, despite the name Rock in America, that's fun and we do cover some American footy, but what we offer is... 10 matches from any and everywhere in the world. We'll cover stuff close to our home here in our region. We will go to nearly every confederation this episode, I am sure, as we always do, to give you little five-minute mini-previews. It's not about how big the match is worldwide. It's whether or not it's big where it's being played. As long as it's a top-flight league or a major international tournament, we are looking at it and considering it, and we bring it all to you to learn with us. This week's matches, they are going to cover from Friday through Thursday, the 15th through 21st of April. Let's waste no more time and jump right in with... March number one! We're going to stay in the Western Hemisphere to start things off. El Salvador's Primera División is the destination where they are in the Clausura, or closing of the two stages of their season, as is the case, uh, two-stage seasons with most of the uh, Central and South American countries. El Salvador's league, league is reasonably strong. Uh, it's ranked number eight within CONCACAF. If you uh, use the formulaics from uh, Kilgal Algorithms, a site that I really like, they're uh, probably the fourth best league association in all of Central America. And they're about three quarters of the way through the season. One team is going to get to automatically go th- to the CONCACAF Champions League next year. And I believe that's uh, the better of the two uh, stage winners, whoever has the stronger record. And then two teams will also get to go to the feeder tournament for that, the CONCACAF League. Your matchup, nearly as it always is here on this show, because we're looking for drama in countries big and small. Number B. We'll explain that later if you're brand new. Second place currently, perhaps, would be better to say. Uh, Chalatenango taking on number one, Aguila. Currently, Aguila uh, lead by 13, but not points. That would be big, and we probably wouldn't be doing this. 13 on goal differential, but they are tied on points in the table. And the two of them lead uh, historical powerhouse Alianza by four. In the recent series between these two, Aguila have had the better of it with a 10, 9, and 6 record. But this year, when they played the first match, or this stage more specifically, at Aguila, 
it was Chalatenango that came out on top, nil one. And we will talk about them first as hosts. They have a couple of cool nicknames I like. The Hard North, reference, of course, to where they are geographically. And then the Scorpions. It's in the north central part of the country, a town of about 25,000. Uh, like so many clubs, they've run into uh, financial issues. And even recently, in fact, they just reformed the club uh, for the 2017-18 season after a previous bankruptcy. Uh, 2008 Apertura stage, they finished in second place. That's the best they've ever done in domestic league play. Uh, last year in the Apertura stage, they finished in uh, sixth place, didn't make the playoffs. This year, they're very well balanced. They're not really uh, overly strong in either particular area. Uh, they've got uh, above average offense. They're a little bit better on defense. Number three overall goal differential. So no reason that they shouldn't stay at or near the top and challenge at the very least for one of those uh, uh, secondary tournament spots, the CONCACAF League. It's not all that high scoring a league, though, either. So while the stats I'm looking at, I'm looking at them in ordinal ranking, There can be there's a lot of volatility waiting to happen there. Key man to look for in this match, top 10 league scorer, is Kemal Malcolm from Jamaica. Team's current form, 3-1-1 one one in their last five. And then you have Aguila, the Harriers, like the bird, because Aguila actually translates directly to eagle. Uh, they play out of the city of San Miguel. It's the third biggest one in the country. Uh, well over a half a million people, east central part of the nation. Interesting little fun fact I found about it is almost 20% of the gross domestic product uh, is money called remittances that are being sent to family members who are uh, from family members that are elsewhere in the world. So uh, an economy that's not entirely standing on its own legs, but it's, you know, it's good that they're getting some assistance from those they love. As far as the footy, 16 league titles. Last one they won was uh, the 2019 Apertura stage. They won what is now the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, is as far enough back was it called that then. Back in 1976, so it's been a while. So here's hoping they can maybe have a shot at a return trip. Uh, 2021 Apertura, they only finished in 10th place on aggregate, but they did well enough in an indiv that individual stage that they got to go to the stage playoffs, and they made it all the way to the final before they lost. They've got the number one offense in the league by quite a bit, and yet it's not even two goals per match, but well over one and a half. They've also got the number one defense. So right now, even on their own, I would say that this team is your slight favorite. Key men to look for in this one. Uh, top two team scorers are Jan Maciel and Kevin Santamaria. So defenses have a hard time, I would suppose, uh, knowing which one to key in on. I would uh, do Santa Maria because he is having the better of it this particular stage. Team's current form, they are in the midst of a nine-match unbeaten streak, or they were rather. It just got snapped. They went on the road to Isidro Metapon and lost one to three. Match number B. That's right, person noob. We're raising you right, mommy and me. No number two. Yuck, bathroom talk for us. And listener, we encourage you to join us in our revolution. Replace that phrase with number B. And here at In Action Right Now, match number B comes from the Ser Serbian Superliga. This is now the number 11 ranked league in all of UEFA. I would have guessed it was uh, more than twice as far down. They made a big jump, though, up five from last year. So as such, uh, they get one Champions League second qualifying round uh, berth at the end of the year. Two teams will go to the Europa Conference League, and they will also get to skip 
the first qualifying round. And your matchup, uh, this is matches a little bit for our newer fans or if you don't follow footy from all over Europe, because this is a really well-known one called the Eternal Derby. It is number one in this table, Red Star, taking on number B, Partizan Beograd. And yes, Belgrade and Beograd, same city. Uh, Red Star currently laid in the table by two. Earlier this season, uh, they played two different times. Red Star won at home 5-0. Partisan did manage to take a point off of when they hosted with a 1-1 draw. Series in recent years has been very even. 13-11-12 record for Red Star. And I'm not sure if it's purely on the quality of the two teams or if it goes all the way back to their founding and who they were – kind of sponsored or founded by uh, partisan was the army team uh, red star. And I've seen a couple, I've seen this a couple of times over the, you know, over the time I've been following football, I'm always surprised. Basically their organization. That's the equivalent of the secret service was the department that founded as opposed to a military wing, that particular entity. I think it's kind of cool. Let's talk about Red Star first. Again, they play out of the capital. Historically, this is the number one most successful club from all of Southeast Europe and the Balkans region. Uh, Here in their league's more modern era, they've won seven Super League titles, and they are the four-time defending champions. Uh, Internationally, they they get to the Champions League, obviously, a fair bit, but they never get past the group stage. They do tend to do a little bit uh, better in the Europa League. In fact, uh, just this year, for example, they made it to the round of 16, I want to say, before they lost to Rangers out of Scotland. Uh, Domestically, right now, they have the number one offense going. They are, in fact, the only team in the league that is averaging more than two and a half goals per match, and their defense is top two as well. That's good for the overall number one goal differential. Now, we've got a fun what happened to him here for American footy fans, uh, thinking specifically MLS. Uh, Red Star's got a guy who is in the top two in scoring in the league named Alexander, I'm going to pronounce it Katai, K-A-T-A-I, plays winger. I'll pause for a moment to give you a chance to think of where maybe he played. For two seasons, 2018 through 2020, he played for the Chicago Fire. Team's current form, they have won six straight matches. I think they're going to be able to uh, get a full-on win here at home. Nevertheless, you can't discount uh, Partisan Beograd. Uh, They were named after the World War II resistance group called the Yugoslav Partisans, but they are now these days also known as the Steamroller. That particular nickname was given to them after they beat Red Star in a uh, particularly momentous 1953 match where they whooped on him 7-1. It was so important at the time that that game is actually immortalized in their current club anthem. Also, if you follow other footy teams, particularly from Western Europe or even uh, the U.S., uh, whenever you see a guy, whenever you see a player that has been uh, transferred or made a move, Um, from this country, there's a pretty good chance it was partisan, not Red Star. Red Star tend to not sell as many players. Partisan does. They are very known for uh, exporting good young ones. Uh, They have one more title than their counterparts today here in the modern era. They have won eight of them. Last one was in 2016-17. They don't get to, uh, they don't really ever see themselves past the group stage in the Champions League either. Europa League, they did make the round of 32 one time. Last year, finished in second place. This year, the defense is where they are really getting things done. They only give up a goal 
one out of every three matches on average. And they've got a top two defense. Uh, number one uh, in league scoring guy that plays for them is Ricardo Gomez. He is from uh, nation of uh, Cape Verde. As far as their current form, uh, they just had a draw at number three, Kuka Ricky, and that snapped a three-game win streak. Match number three. On to Sunday now, and it's home sweet home for a Major League Soccer mini-match preview, or a match mini-preview. Maybe there's nothing mini about the match, although I did select a little bit differently than normal. Um, I want normally, obviously, we're looking at uh, like number one versus number of matches. That's prim- primarily what we do. But this early in the season, I kind of want to mix things up with Major League Soccer and uh, hit some teams that we might not get to any other way necessarily. Uh, these are in both teams are in surprising places in the Western Conference. So I wanted to hit it. Number one in the West, LAFC. Usually they're not nearly that high, at least of late. Taking on surprisingly woeful right now, number 12 West. Kansas City. Uh, the series the last couple three seasons, LAFC has a 4-0-3 slight advantage. You can guess this one on ESPN at 4 Eastern time. LAFC, we'll talk a little bit about them first. They won the Supporter Shield in 2000, 2019 and then in 2020 uh, they that put them in the Champions League, of course, and they finished as runners-up. Very nice. They've never won the MLS playoff title or, in other words, overall title. Last year, they sure didn't because they didn't have a shot at it. They finished ninth place in the West. That meant they didn't even get to the playoffs. This year, doing much better. No surprise. They always seem to be offensively oriented, and they're tied for the best offense in their conference right now, scoring over two goals per match. What's more surprising is they usually do that at a very large cost to their defense. But this year, they've got a top five defense, and they're only giving up exactly one per match. That's good for an overall goal differential. This is a team that should be able to compete for the Western title if they can keep that defense shored up to any degree at all. On the scoring leaderboard, Carlos Vela, longtime uh, guy to be looking for for them, Mexican forward, 33 years old, spent the heart of his career, I believe, a full six seasons with uh, Real Sociedad over in La Liga in Spain. He's also earned 72 national team caps for his home country, but I believe he retired, or at least he hasn't been getting the, uh, inter- any international call-ups since 2018. Uh, fun to watch if you can catch him on the screen. He is very fast. What I love him is that about him is that even though he is very, very fast, he sees the field very well. What I've come to learn him about him is that there's a big reason he's good about scoring and assisting. He is great at freezing the goalkeeper because they don't know what he is going to do. He is so technically solid and hard to get the ball away from. And sometimes what ends up happening is that goalie gets frozen a step or two off his line. He comes a little bit too far out. And then what perhaps Vela is most famous for, chipped goals, little chippies, uh, soft shots that go just over the goalie's head and in. So lots of fun there. But the best overall player they have going right now, I believe, is uh, Ilya Sanchez. He's a Spanish cornerback, just spent uh, four years over in Kansas City. And this is a guy who has a really nice blend of physicality and speed. He's great at interceptions and great on tackles. If he's got any weakness, uh, his passing isn't the best. But as a center back, perhaps it doesn't have to be. As far as the team's current form, they just lost El Trafico at LA Galaxy. That was their first loss of the season. And now, the Wizards, what has happened to them? Uh, They've won two league titles, most recent one, 2013. In 2019, they made the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. They've done that more than once. That's a tie for the best they've ever done, though. 
last year had a pretty good season. They finished number three in the West. They lost in the uh, conference semifinals for the playoffs this year. Now, admittedly, at time of scouting, they had played one more match than a lot of the teams, but make no bones about it. They lead the conference in losses with five in those seven matches. Problem is mostly offense, and that's really surprising given some of the firepower they have. But right now they're tied for worse. They don't even manage one goal per match. The defense, ordinarily in the rankings, or defense rather, is only a few notches higher. The guys who have been performing, or at least the guy maybe, is Remy Walter, their central midfielder. Uh, he is from France. He's got a nice pedigree as far as Europe. The best club he played probably over there uh, for was Nice. Uh, the worst player they've got going, though, statistically anyway, as often happens in cases like this, it's on the back end, the goalkeeping. Tim Melia only has two clean sheets and seven appearances, and he is going to have to conduct things a little bit better down there. Now, that said, uh, like I mentioned before, the offense isn't really great statistically. It's their center forward who is the second worst player on the team. So the middle seems fine, but having trouble getting it done at either end. Team's current form, uh, they have lost two straight, both very low-scoring matches. Total goal differential of just 1-4 and 3 against. Match number four. Another Sunday match, and it's back to Europe. We go to Germany, the Bundesliga, the number four-ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they max out on their international club bursts. Uh, four teams will get to go to the Champions League group stage. They'll get one directly into the Europa League and one into the Europa Conference League proper. Your matchup, it is a dandy. It's not top two, but pretty darn close. Number three, Leverkusen, taking on and playing host to number four, RB Leipzig. Here's how the table looks. Leverkusen lead them by just one. And then Leipzig, in turn, lead Freiburg by 16 on goal differential. They're tied on points. So it feels like, at the very least, we're going to have a uh, three-way bit of uh, footy musical chairs, if you will, to see who's going to get those last two Champions League bursts as the European season winds towards its club end. Uh, Leipzig have had the best of it the last few times they've met. 5-4-2 record, but Leverkusen got a road win 1-3 against them earlier this season. You can see how things are going to go at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. That's on ESPN+. And that's all I've got for you on this for now, because this is a time of podcast. If you're familiar with our show, you heard his voice as he helped person who introduced the match in countdown fashion. That was 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator Noob Stradamus. Here to bring us a drug-aided or drug-addled vision, depending on how you want to take it. He's not usually right, but we continue to have faith and usually get a learning done as well. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the North Rhine-Westphalia, actually in Western Germany. Leverkusen is a place of great anxiety for me. Pardon while I partake of the lotus leaf to ease my troubled holy mind. And so I travel once again through space and time. I awake to my vision here in Leverkusen, but some near 70 years ago. This was quite real. I'd come here, sensing from the universal infinite that great new experimental art would be created here and movements to follow. For all my powers of prognostication, 
True beauty lies in unknowable, pre-created art. Divination led me to Wolf Vostel. His genius aura was nearly blinding and I told him as much over our time together. His watercolors and ink cycle drawings were more than fair, but his oil on paper Korea and Korea Massacre impressed far more, so much so that I commissioned him to paint me on this medium. My flowing white locks and long beard, my two knowing eyes and regal forehead, painstakingly and breathtakingly reproduced. But no sooner had I been shown the final product than he hurled my coin back at me. Shocking! He began tearing pieces of the painting away, a technique he would soon become famous for, which he called de-collage, the opposite of collage, with which he tore down images instead of building them up. I do this for you, tearing down worn-out values. See yourself as you have been, no more. The spaces I create in this image require you to think, not merely see. With those words, which inspire and haunt me to this day, the vision recedes. Two to one, Leverkusen will win for his two first great pieces that led to his one great work, which I keep hidden and treasure to this day. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. And we are going to wrap up our weekend matches, heading to a little bit further flung corner of the globe, a place that... Uh, we'd like to think most Western podcasts aren't going. Uh, we're headed to the African Confederation to the country of Sierra Leone. They're Premier League, the top flight there. They only rank about the top two-thirds of the leagues in Africa, uh, the association does, because the rest just don't get enough international play, I guess, to really have a rank ranking, or at least a meaningful ranking. And quite frankly, Sierra Leone is one of those. But you know what? They've got a great two-team race going, and we're going to look at it. That is what we do. They're about three-quarters of the way through the season, and we've got number one East End Lions playing host to second place currently, Bo Rangers. Uh, right now, the Lions only lead Rangers by one. Uh, Woosome Stars, they're in third place. They trail Bo Rangers by nine. They, I think it would be a miracle for them to really get back into the title chase at this point. And only one team gets to go to the Champions League since they're uh, unranked. In fact, you've got to be in the top 12 league associations to send more than one team. So it's uh, if you're not first, you're last. I believe that's the Ricky Bobbyism that we'll go with. East End Lions playing host. They play out of the capital city, Freetown. This is one of your two historical behemoths of the country. Them and Mighty Blackpool. Blackpool, rather, hard to say, at least for me today. They're much further down the table right now. Uh, 12 league titles to the credit of the Lions. They won their last one in 2019. Four Champions League appearances, but they've never made it past the preliminary round. Last year, they were in fifth place when the season got canceled. 
this year. This is not a high-scoring league. They're number one on offense, even though they don't score even one and a half goals per match. They've got an above-average defense, but really everybody's floating around one goal per match except those nearer to the very bottom of the league. They've got tied for the number one overall goal differential. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10, but... Could this be a hope opening for their guests? Maybe they're fading a little bit. The Lions have only managed draws their last two matches heading into this one. And your visitor is hoping to take advantage of Bo. That's simply B-O Rangers. They are known as the PK Boys. Now, I don't know if that stands for penalty kick or something else. I wasn't able to find a reference to it. Perhaps you can find it and uh, let me know at Soccer Noob USA because... I am not just a noob as a character. I truly am a noob, although maybe we all are when it comes to football in Sierra Leone. It's part of what makes the show fun, though. Now, Bo is the second largest city in the nation. It's in the South Central area and has about a quarter million people. It's going to be a really fun area to visit in the country. It is the most uh, ethnically diverse by far. In fact, they don't have a, a racial or tribal majority in the city. Everything's plurality. And then Bo actually comes from a phrase called Bo Lore, which is a nickname for all the peoples in the area, it means, quote, this is yours, end quote. They are known for being collectively a very generous a set of peoples in this town. Last year, they were in first place when the season got canceled. Uh, not sure why this league was one of the handful of nations in Africa that didn't send a team to Champions League. Might have been COVID issues, uh, could have been finances, just don't know. As far as their domestic play this year, they have a uh, the top four. Yeah, they have the number four offense going. They score over one goal per match. Defense is a little bit above average, third best goal differential. So I think they're going to be able to uh, at least hang on to a top two spot. Although, again, that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's a win to get to the Champions League or you don't even get to go to the secondary tournament. Uh, their current form, they are 3-1-0 and in their last four, and they have been playing some excellent defense. And it's the case in every sport. Defense tends to travel very well. So I think we're in for a whale of a match. <sighs> Someday somebody's going to have to explain to me why cat sounds. Uh, you know what? It is what it is. It means that it's time to do a recap from last week's matches. And I am happy to oblige, kiddies. Uh, Sunday was match number one last week, Major League Soccer. We had Austin and Minnesota. Uh, playing off and ATX won 1-0 that left them in fourth place at the time and knocked Minnesota down to 10th place. Match number B from the Premier League. Number one, Man City took on number B, Liverpool. The result was a 2-2 draw. Uh, for Man City, De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus had goals. Uh, for uh, Liverpool, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold had a goal and Salah had an assist. So the Stars came out to play. Match number three was from the Bermudian Premier Division. As we said goodbye to number one Dandytown Hornets. They were already four points ahead playing the last league match. And, uh, nevertheless, they got to take on number B Pembroke Hamilton Club and they wrapped them soundly on the knuckles in a 5-2 win. Tuesday, match number four, the CONCACAF Women's Championship, which is also World Cup qualifying for them. We took a look at uh, number one in their group, Panama, taking on number B El Salvador. Panama won 2-0 and they each played again after that and it was uh, Panama with a perfect record, didn't concede a single goal. They won this particular match 2-0. Congratulations to them on advancing to the next and final qualification tournament phase. 
for our region. Match number five uh, was from UEFA Women's World Cup qualifying. Number one, Switzerland in their group took on number B, Italy, and it was Italy winning 0-1. That allowed them to switch table positions, so things are still incredibly tight there. Uh, for Italy, Christiana uh, Ghirelli, she had a goal in the 83rd minute, or the goal, I should say. Very dramatic to come so late. Match number six from the AFC Cup, second preliminary round. Dhaka Abahani from Bangladesh played Valencia from the Maldives, and uh, Abahani advanced. Uh, I suppose they probably gave him a 3-0 walkover. Uh, citing financial concerns, uh, Valencia, uh, they simply had to forfeit. So, too bad we didn't have the exciting match. Anyway, Wednesday, match number seven from CONCACAF Champions League, second leg of the two-legged ties for the semifinal. We looked at NYCFC playing host to Seattle Sounders, and the result was 1-1 draw, and uh, that was all Seattle needed to advance on to the final on aggregate because they had won the first leg 3-1 at their place. Match number 8 from UA for the Champions League quarterfinal second leg of the two-legged tie. Atletico Madrid and Man City played. Man City, all they needed was something like a nil-nil draw. That's exactly what they got. So they win 1-0 for the two-legged tie and will advance on to the semifinal. Thursday, match number 9 also from UEFA. The Europa League in the quarterfinal. Leg number 2, Rangers versus Braga. Rangers needed to come back, and they sure did. They won the match 3-1. to one. James Tavernier, that we said to look out for, had a brace of goals. Rangers advanced 3-2 to two on aggregate. And then finally, match number 10 from UEFA's Europa Conference League, the tertiary tournament. Quarterfinals, second leg, we looked at Roma and Bode glimped out of Norway. The big surprise, and they had won the first match 2-1, but it looks like Cinderella has turned into a pumpkin or whatever the uh, Northern European equivalent would be for that sort of fairy tale uh, effect. <laughs> Roma put their foot down and said enough is enough. They won 4-0. We said to watch out for Tammy Abraham. He had the winning goal, but it was Nicolo Zaniola that really had the day. He got a hat trick of goals. Uh, to solve things away. Uh, Roma advanced 5-2 to two on aggregate. And then your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Saturday's route of the week from Zimbabwe's Premier League was between last place Wahwa and number one Chicken Inn. And yes, you won't believe it. Wahwa happened. And I'm not even going to apologize for the pun. The last place team won three to nothing. Now we've seen a draw, maybe even an upset here and there, but not by that kind of margin. Just incredible. Uh, that moved them up one spot to number 17. Chicken end uh, dropped down into second place. It's moderately early in the season there. The most meaningless match of the world was a Tuesday match from Armenia. Number six, Urartu took on number five, Noah. And appropriately for a meaningless match, the result was a 2-2 draw. So it meant absolutely nothing. And then the match of disappointed from League One in France. Last place Bordeaux took on number 19 Mets, and it was Bordeaux getting the win 3-1, to one, which all that really led to is them switching table positions. They are still the worst two clubs in the entire darn league. That concludes your recap from last week. Let's now get back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. And while that did it for the weekend, you do not, as you so often do, Nubites, get Mondays off. There is no rest for the footy-weary. We're headed to Europe once again for our sixth match to the nation of what person, Noob? Belgium. That's right. And uh, it is their FA Cup final. So somebody's going to get a trophy. The winner gets to go to the playoff round of the Europa League automatically. And uh, one can watch this online at 9 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. 
and your match. It is, I believe you pronounced the club name uh, with a soft G, Gent, G-E-N-T. Even though the, to the town they're from is G-H-E-N-T, and you would say that as Ghent with a harder G. Right, P-Noob? Does that sound right to you? You're my Belgium expert for today, aren't you? Yeah. And they're taking on uh, Anderlecht and here to uh, present some stuff from her Oregon Scientific Globe. Are they an official sponsor of the show now? No, they're not. We're not getting any money for them. But we did get the facts that person who found out about Belgium. What would you like to share with us? So first is the population has over 11 million people. Kind of big and yet kind of small, isn't it? The capital is Brussels. Brussels? Yeah. Do you think that's where Brussels sprouts are from? I honestly don't know. I mean, French fries aren't French. So Brussels sprouts, maybe they're from Brussels. Maybe they're not. Brussels. No, I promise you it has a B on it. No, no. What's our our other? Okay. We'll agree to disagree on that. Brussels, Belgium. And then (laughs) what's your other fact? That they speak three different languages there. Dutch, German, and French. And which one do they speak the most of? Uh, I, uh, German, I believe. Uh, it was Dutch, actually. But German's a very, uh, very, because yeah. all the, all of Europe is like kind of sort of roughly the same size as just America. So those people are all very close together, and a lot of them know all of mm. each other's languages. Thank you for sharing those with us. Now, here was a... Uh, Let's, here was some stuff I found out about the uh, country, or not the country, the town of uh, the club. It's a soccer club, isn't it? Of Gent. They are known as the Buffaloes. That's kind of a weird nickname. I'm not familiar with Buffaloes over in Europe. That's the, an American thing. The Edgewood Buffalo down from Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Don. Oh, oh, from your show with the quadruplets. Okay. Well, uh, you know why this team is called the Buffaloes? Because a guy named Buffalo Bill, who used to do Wild West shooting shows like many, many, many decades ago, he actually went on tour over in Europe and they liked him so much that they uh, decided to uh, name their town mascot Buffalo after Buffalo Bill. And then for some reason, their crest or their club emblem is an American Indian, like a profile with a feather headdress. I never found really any explanation for that. But footy-wise, I can tell you, they have only ever won the league title once. That was in 2014-15. Uh, Champions League, best they've ever done is the round of 16. That was back in 2000-01. Last year, just finished in seventh place. Uh, for this event, they just beat... Uh, National Powerhouse Club Bruggy to advance to the title. 3-1 on aggregate. They did a home and away for the semifinal. Uh, the road teams won both of them. Interesting. It was an 0-1 win for one. And then uh, Gent came back and won 0-3. Very surprisingly. They're number five in league play right now. Uh, that would put them in uh, the secondary grouping of four. And so they can't get to probably the Champions League. The Europa League is the best they're going to be able to do. And then, uh, as far as their stats, uh, they have a top six offense. It's not bad, but the defense is where their bread is getting buttered. They don't even allow one goal per match, and that is good for a top three defense in that league. Uh, Top three scorer in the league is theirs to boast of, Tariq uh, Tisudali, I'm going to pronounce it. He's from Morocco, a winger, 29 years old. And yet last year, uh, he just got his first six national team appearances, interestingly. Best statistical player they probably have going, though, is Julien Dessart, central midfielder. 
honestly kind of surprising me. He's not the most accurate passer for somebody who plays from that position, uh, but he tracks back well on defense and he scores quite a bit from that position. So he's got his own strengths. As far as the team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three, and the offense is really starting to come around. Uh, eight and two goal differential for them on that. So Anderlecht, this is not a home match for them, but it kind of sort of is. Uh, the city of Anderlecht is just southwest of uh, the greater Brussels area, the capital. Uh, the purple in their crest color is the color of the monarchy, but I found a fun little did you know fact. It was also inspired by Belgian emigrants to Antigua, Guatemala, because that city has an official color, which is a very uh, royal or monarchical purple. Anderlecht is one of your historical powers. They have won 34 league titles. Last one was in 2016-17, and they've won this event nine times, although not since 2007-2008. They, the, uh, they won the Europa League, if you want to look internationally, but that was all the way back in 1982-83. Might not have even been called that then, and I don't think they've ever been past the group stage in the Champions League. Last year in league play, they finished in fourth place. Uh, they advanced to this final, by the way, over Yupin. Not one of the strongest teams. They had a little bit easier road. They beat them 5-3 on aggregate. Currently, they're sitting at the number three spot in the league, so they still have a chance to make the Champions League. Uh, they're very well-rounded, have a top three offense, top two defense. Tied for number six in league scoring is Joshua Zirkzee. He is a forward, just 20 years old, and really tall for a non-goalie. He is six foot four inches tall. Now he's on loan from Bayern, and so he can always get called back if he makes enough progression. But I don't know how high they are on him for some reason, because last year he was on loan with Serie B team over in Italy, Parma, and they actually gave them an option to buy. They didn't end up taking advantage. Now, tied for second best in assists for the league is Sergio Gomez, another player we want you to look for here. He is a Spanish attacking midfielder, just 21 years old. Came up with Barca, and he's been owned by Dortmund. He definitely has a uh, – this is a decent league that he's in, but he's uh, seems to be definitely destined, has the connections to make a move uh, to the biggest of the European countries and leagues. Team's current form, 9-2-1, and one, and of course, over their last dozen, and the only loss, of course – uh, can you believe it, was to Gent in league play. Match number seven. That's all we had for you on a Monday, more than usual, though. And so, Tuesday, we come back closer to home, Liga MX, where they are in the Clausura stage, and there's only three matches left in the regular season until they start their league playoffs. The top four are going to make the playoffs semifinals, and the next eight are going to play in a stage called the uh, Reclassification. You know, basically it's another round of the playoffs that will precede the semifinals. And then the two playoff finalists from this stage as well as the last stage are all going to make the CONCACAF Champions League. I believe in the past they've normally used the regular season to determine who goes to that. So if I have it right, this is a bit of an interesting change because the league playoffs, while always important down there, will now be even more so in importance. And your matchup is number B, Pachuca. They were number one last week and we talked about them. Here they are again with another big match against number three, Puebla. Here's how uh, the table looks. Pachuca, they trailed number one UANL by just one on goal differential. So virtually in a dead heat for first place in the regular season. They lead Puebla by six. So six, 
they're probably not going to challenge for the title, but they're trying to stay in that top four so that they effectively get a buy into, uh, you know, the latter round of the playoffs. Puebla lead number five Atlas by four points. So it's not a foregone conclusion, but if they can get any kind of result today on the road against Pachuca, I like their chances of getting to stay in that top four. History doesn't look very good for Puebla, though. Last several years, Pachuca have managed a 12-6-5 record against them, and they beat them last stage when they played. Pachuca did 1-2 at Puebla. We'll talk about our hosts first, Pachuca. They are known as the Gophers for their mining history, east central part of the country, and the capital of the state, the state rather, of Hidalgo. Uh, five CONCACAF Champions League titles they have won. Most recent one was 2016-17. They've only won six league titles. Last one was in 2016. That was the Clausura stage. In the Apertura stage this year, they stunk up the joint. They were only number 15, didn't get a sniff of the playoffs. The problem was defense. Well, they have shored that up and without sacrificing on offense because they're still number two in that regard. But this stage, they haven't even given up one goal per match on average. Tied for second best in league scoring, possible man in the match candidate would be Nicolas Ibanez, Argentinian center forward. Uh, he was with San Luis for a little while earlier in his career. Then Real Madrid got the rights, which seems like a big deal, but I don't think he's ever made a senior appearance for them. They loaned him right back to San Luis. Now he was with uh, Pachuca on uh, just a straight contract. And then tied for second best in assists is Kelvin Alvarez. He is a right back, 23 years old. Uh, guys like that who can play the entire field, people tend to want them. And that is the case with Mr. Alvarez. The rumor is that PAOK, one of the big three from over in Greece, are very hot for him. Personally, I think that'd be a little bit of a ladder move, but he wants more European exposure. It might not be a bad way to go. Team's current form, they are two and one in their last three with a four and two goal differential. And now... Puebla, they've got a pretty cool uh, nickname, Person What do you think of this? They are called the Sweet Potatoers. Potatoes. Yeah, well, they're not the Sweet Potatoes. That would actually almost make more sense. But they are the Potatoers, which I don't even think is a word in English, quite frankly. Potatoes. If you could be an er for any food, like vegetable or fruit or whatever, what would it be? Would you be a Captain Cruncher? Graper. A graper. Okay, well, that at least sounds a little bit better than sweet potato. Or I have to assume that that's just something that's very popularly grown in the region. I never saw anything else on it. Puebla is the number four size city in all of Mexico. It has about three and a quarter million people. It's halfway between uh, the Mexico City and uh, Veracruz, which is a main Atlantic port. So Puebla has always been a big trading stop and is a big industrial city. They make a lot of stuff there, that, and then they, you know, they rail it down to Veracruz and it hits the Atlantic. Specifically, Volkswagen has taken advantage of this uh, geographic layout. A ton of businesses and factories make stuff for Volkswagen in particular. Footy-wise, two league titles. It's been a long time since they've won one, though, 1989-90. Although they did win the Champions League the very next year. So when they are hot, they are hot. They certainly have been this stage. Last stage, not so much so. Not nearly as poor as their counterparts today. But they only finished in seventh place, largely because of their offense. Defense wasn't all-time great, but the offense was weaker. They did, of course, get to go to the playoffs and made the quarterfinal. This stage, 
Much more balanced. Top three offense, top five defense. Tied for number four in league scoring is Fernando Ariste Guieta from Venezuela. He is a striker who played for uh, Nance for three years early in his career. I'd like to uh, thank him for having a name that I uh, somehow barely managed to actually get to pronounce right. Let's get shorter, easier names for new people. Come on, help me out. Anyway, on, a, on the assist leaderboard for the league as well is Maximilian Arujo from Uruguay. He's a left back who also does spend some time as a left winger, hence the assists. He's just 22 years old. Be interesting to see if he makes a move out of our federation and over to Europe down the road. Team's current form, they just got a win that broke a four-match winless streak. They really were looking like they were going to get the challenge for the title, and then they started to hiccup lately. And in those losses, the problem was the defense, or those non-wins, I should say, because whether it was a draw or a loss, they gave up exactly two goals in each of those games. Match number eight. More Tuesday football action, but this time we switched to yet a different confederation. We're off to Asia for the secondary international club tournament there, the AFC Cup. This is the playoff round, which is the round right before the group stage. There are two spots still left unfilled for the event proper, that group stage. And uh, these four, two teams are going to fill it. Winning, you're in, losing, you're out. The two teams we're going to look at, Athletic 220 out of Mongolia, taking on Lee Man from Hong Kong. These are teams out of the East Asian subgroup. And for some reason, uh, maybe it was just done by bid or something, but it's Athletic 220 that are getting to be the home game for this. And believe me, the Mongolia team, or league at least, not nearly as strong as the Hong Kong club. We'll get into some more specifics here in a moment. We'll talk about our hosts first. They play out of Ulaanbaatar, does Athletic 220. That city is the capital. I think most or all of the teams probably in that country play out of Ulaanbaatar. It's a very young club, founded in just 2016. Uh, last year, they played in the AFC Cup group stage, lost all three matches there, trying to return there again, of course. Uh, they were your 2021 Mongolian Premier League winners. I've talked about the AFC Cup before. The winners from the lesser-ranked leagues don't go to the Champions League at all. They go to this event instead, trying to boost them up. Uh, in fact, the league is only ranked number 39 out of the, I believe, uh, I'm going to say 47 in the AFC. It's very early in the Premier League season there this year. Currently, A220 are in fifth place. Uh, they've got a top five offense, so average, but they are way off the pace for the top three. Their defense is a top four, and they allow less than one goal per match on average. Last year, interestingly, when they qualified for this, it was their offense was their strength, and their D was a little bit more shaky. Team scoring for them? Well, on the league season, they are 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. And now, Lee Mann, they're an even younger club, founded in 2017. They did not climb their way up from any lower division or divisions. They paid a million bucks just to enter the Premier League directly. Man, looks like it was a good decision. They play out of a uh, town or a district called Sung Kwan O within Hong Kong, which is actually reclaimed land, kind of like the Netherlands has done, from a body of water called, it looks like junk, but a sure it's pronounced Junk Bay or Junk Bay or something. In any case, it's got a little over 400,000 people on it right now, and it's not going to get a whole lot bigger. They've got a limited amount of land, obviously. It's a planned community, and so it's going to cap out at about 450,000. Uh, they finished number three in the Hong Kong Premier League last year, twenty or two years, 2020, 2021, I should say. Uh, normally, that wouldn't be good enough to have them go anywhere. Uh, the FA Cup winner is the team that normally gets standby status to go to the AFC Cup in case some other country, and this always happens, can't 
uh, fulfill their international obligation. But the FA Cup got canceled last year. So Lee Man got the opportunity. By the way, the Hong Kong Premier League is ranked number eight in the AFC. I knew it was better, but I didn't realize just how much better. Uh, this year, they're just three game matches into the season, but so far the teams looked very good. Uh, they've got a top two offense, uh, top three defense, I believe, as well. Uh, last year, offense was more of their strength. It's a little too early to tell this year after only three matches. Uh, last year, they made the interzonal playoff stage, which actually comes after the group stage. So this is a team that's made it farther than A220. But that said, I got to be honest, for some reason, I've just got a feeling about the Mongolian team for this one. They're defensively oriented now. They're getting to play it at home. This would be a a big upset. If Mongolia is going to be able to advance over to a group stage, this would really be the time. Match number nine. And now we're on to the midweek, Wednesday, which is oftentimes anywhere around the world, FA Cup match day. This week, it's no different for the U.S. Open Cup, which is our version of an FA Cup. It has reached the third round. Uh, This is the round where some, but not all, of the Major League Soccer teams are entering the fray. The rest will enter in the next round. The match we've uh, chosen to look at is Rochester NYC. Or no, let me try that again. Rochester NY FC versus Motown FC. Now, longer time listeners may recognize that a couple weeks ago, we were going to talk about Rochester NYFC in this event, but fairly late in the podcast is when we choose to take a break from soccer and use the sport as an excuse to learn usually about food, but sometimes other things in the world related to the culture of the local area, I should say, not the world at large. That would be strange. And we learned all about the garbage plate. That was a lot of fun and sounded almost kind of tasty, at least to me in some of its iterations. Person Noob seemed a little bit more skeptical. Now, they are going to be once again playing host to a team, and I thought originally it was a Michigan team, but it turns out not. Motown FC, not from Detroit, not even from Michigan. Turns out that that stands for Morristown FC, which is actually in New Jersey. Uh, these two teams are from two of the lowest leagues that have any teams left surviving. Rochester NYCFC plays in the brand new MLS Next Pro League, which is almost entirely reserved teams from Major League Soccer. It is considered to be in the third tier of the American Soccer Pyramid. They're taking on an even bigger or smaller minnow. I know minnow is the right soccer word, but I don't know if they get larger or smaller. In any case, they're from an either lower tier of the pyramid. Motown FC is in the National Premier Soccer League, which is tier number four. Now, once again, it's late in the podcast, so guess what? We're still not going to end up talking a whole lot about Rochester NYC FC. This is the time of show where we take a break to talk about food or other things, as I said. This time, we're not actually going to be doing food. I learned something interesting just doing a little bit of research on Rochester in general that I had not known. Perhaps you do not know it and will find it interesting. Between 1817 and 1825, and it took, by the way, over 10,000 men to do this. And obviously back then they were doing it with hand tools and uh, some beasts of burden, if you will. And they dug... uh, canal more than 350 miles, hence the reason it took several years, between Lake Erie and uh, the Hudson River at where it flowed through Albany. One of the towns that they crossed through along the way was Rochester. 
that meant that there was a lot of new traffic coming in, a lot of new people experiencing the city and doing business there. Uh, Rochester expanded on both sides of the, I don't still don't know if it's Genesee or Genesee River. Thousands of tons of flour, and then later on other goods uh, flowed through there towards the Hudson. In fact, fun side note, it was known as the Flower City, F-L-O-U-R, and it is still known as the Flower City, but they've changed it up because it's a big uh, lilac growing place. Very internationally famous for us, and now they are the F-L-O-W-E-R City. I think they thought that that would spruce up the nickname a little bit. But then in 1918, the Erie Canal ended up getting rerouted. So canal traffic went bye-bye. Obviously, automobiles came along. Uh, In the mid-late 1920s, they built and laid roadways, and the aqueduct actually became part of what is today the Broad Street Bridge there. The now-dry canal was used for the Rochester subway system. I never knew, especially because it's not that big a city, that they had a subway system. But I can forgive myself for not knowing, because it turned out that it was shut down in the mid-50s. So there's your little history note as we took a break from our matches. But now we will get right back into the soccer with... Match number 10. We're done. Finally! And we finish off the main 10 that we are tracking. Don't forget, we've still got our super sweet bonus matches to come in Poland, where the top flight is called the Extra Klasa. This is shaping up to be one of the best races uh, in the entire entire world, certainly Europe. Uh, by the way, uh, they were a lot higher back a few years ago when I very first started uh, following soccer a little bit. Not sure what's happened, but they are currently the number 28 ranked UEFA league. So pretty much dead on average, but... That doesn't lessen the drama, in our opinion, here at Team Noob. There is currently a three-way tie for first on points. Here's how the table stands. Uh, Lech Poznan, they are your first-place team, and they are ahead of uh, number B, Pogon Stitzen by by four on goal differential. And then uh, that team leads your visitors today, Rakow Chestakova, by five more on goal differential. So everything is up for grabs. Obviously, when they're ranked that low in the coefficient, only one team will get to go to the Champions League. Two more will get to go to the Europa Conference League. Series between these two, just the last year or two, slight edge to Chestakova. They have a uh, built up a 2-2-1 and one record. Earlier this season when they played at Chestakova, the game merely went to a nil-nil draw. We'll start talking about uh, Stetzine first, which I really hope I continue to pronounce uh, correctly or at least as close to correctly as I am. I get that wrong. It's not going to be person noob appropriate. (laughs) Anyway, Stetzine, that is the number seven uh, size town in all of Poland. It's got about 400,000 people. It's near the, if you can imagine the map, it's near the Baltic Sea and the German border. The team is known as the Dockers and their history goes back to the other side of the country, the eastern part, the club was actually founded in a city that's spelled L-W-O-W. I believe that the pronunciation is Lavuf or something. And if I'm wrong and you know Polish, uh, you know, go ahead and find me on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, and tell me how wrong I am. I will try to find a way to forgive myself. Uh, the people from there were forced westward in 1945 when uh, Russia annexed a lot of the Eastern Polish territories and the townspeople ended up founding a club there where they were uh, sent to in Western Poland and where they settled last year, this team finished uh, in third place. That's tied for the best they've ever done. Uh, This year they got to play in the Europa conference league lost in the second qualifying round. 
in the league this year. They have the best offense going, scoring almost two per game. They also have a top two defense. Team scoring leader I want you to look out for is Luka Zahovic, Slovenian striker. He is the key to everything on the front side of things. Team's current form, they are in good shape on both sides of the field. With an 11-3 goal differential over their last five matches, 4-0-1 record there. And now Rakow Chestakova, they are known as... And I've always questioned this a little bit because I've talked about them once before, maybe twice. The medallions. That could be right. I have a feeling the translation I'm getting isn't 100% right. Just because something like medal winners or medalists would make a little bit more sense. Either way, Chesakova is not all that large a city. It's got well over 200,000 people. That's nowhere near even the top 10 in Poland, though. It's an area that's known for its uh, metalworks in general and ironworks specifically. Give you some perspective on where uh, these two teams rank in terms of the overall European continent. UEFA puts this team well outside the top 300. So the Polish uh, league seems to be in a little bit of disarray quality-wise, but we always still go where the drama is, and believe me, it is here in this league. Last year they finished in second place. That's the best they've ever done. So if either of these two teams can pull it out of the end, it will be their first ever league title. This year they got to play in the Europa Conference League and they made it all the way to the playoff round. They won. Uh, they beat two other teams before nearly getting to the group stage. Very consistent and well-balanced in league play, number three offense and defense. Tied for number one in league scoring is Evie, just five foot nine, but uh, he is uh, one of the best in the league, Spanish forward. He's also tied for second best in assists. He's played in a much stronger league, La Liga, albeit admittedly not for the best teams over there. He was with Getafe for a while, played mostly with their B team, though. And then he also played with Levante, although when they had him, and and that's one of the weakest teams, at least right now, they loaned him mostly out to uh, Division II clubs. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 13, and they've only conceded one goal over their last four matches. It'll be really fun to see if this momentum can carry them into uh, the very tippy-top of the table. Bring forth the bonus matches! Oh, and just look at him so fluffy and cute, the bonus matches. It's my favorite part of the show because you, the listener, have had a chance to vote on what the magic content was going to be. The beginning of every week on Twitter, I put up polls with these candidate matches. You vote, and away we go. The first match we're going to look at that you selected is called the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week. Week, week. And it is a Wednesday match that you have voted in. This is supposed to be a first versus last place matchup, as I'm sure you can tell by the name. When I scouted it, that was the case. Since then, your visitors today, Gornik Lenchna, climbed one spot up to 17th place from 18th. But they have to get all the way up to 15th to get out of the relegation zone, avoid getting kicked out to League Two, playing host to them. Number one, we just talked about them in the last match, even though they weren't featured, Lech Poznan, the other team in that three-way tie. So, uh, right now, Gornik Lenchna, they trailed the number 15 team by four points. That's how many they've got to get to probably uh, overtake uh, you know, other teams and get out of that relegation zone. The series between these two, not really surprising. Lech Poznan have a 4-3-0 record against them. 
earlier this season when they played, we always try to find just a hint of light for the team that's supposed to be absolute roadkill for this match. When they played before at Lenchna, they managed a 1-1 draw. So given that they have the ability to do that and the possibility that uh, Poznan could always uh, you know, fall asleep a little bit in a match that they're supposed to win easily, who knows? Let's take a look at Poznan first. They are known as the Railway Men. Uh, this is the fifth biggest country in, or fifth biggest city in the country, rather, is Poznan. It's in the west central part of Poland. Got about a half a million people. Uh, big steel mill, and obviously uh, it's a big uh, industrial trade area, hence, uh, you know, the historic railroad there. Now, before you'll remember, we talked about uh, those two clubs being like just outside the top 300. Poznan is a little bit more of an established power. They're actually ranked just inside the top 200 in UEFA. So not all time great, but a fair bit better quantitatively than the other teams we looked at. Though you wouldn't guess it by how they did last year. They finished only in 11th place. They've won seven league titles in the past. Most recent one, not that long ago, 2015-16. Although truth be told, their heydays were really in the uh, stretch of about a decade between the 80s and 90s. Uh, twice they have made the Europa League round of 32. Uh, last time was just over a decade ago. Last year, they got as far as the group stage, but no further. This year, they're on top of everything statistically nearly. Uh, second best offense, number one defense, number one goal differential. Personally, I think they're going to be able to hang on to this league uh, lead and win the league, but it's still too close to tell. Tied for number one in league scoring is Michael Ishak. He is a Swedish striker. Spent the heart of his career in Germany, but uh, with Nuremberg. Not one of the uh, Bundesliga teams, or at least not one of the regular first Bundesliga teams. I think they're uh, usually in the second level. Tied for number four in assists is Joel Amaral. He is Portuguese, an attacking midfielder. Last year, he, this team had him, but they actually loaned him out to Passos Ferreira, one of the uh, average to slightly below average teams, perhaps, over in Portugal's Primera Liga. Uh, team's current form, 6-2-0 in their last eight with an impressive 10-2 and goal differential. Not a lot of daylight to be seen there for our underdogs from Lenchna. By the way, that city is in the east-central part of the uh, country. And I say city, but it's really a, a large town, uh, 20,000 people or so. It's right in the middle of the center, uh, central coal basin uh, within Poland. They do not have a lot, if any, real D1 experience. They And I believe it was the first time, but take that with a grain of salt, were promoted to uh, the top flight in 2015-16, went down again, and then last year in Division Two, they barely made the promotion playoffs. The top team or two got automatically promoted up. This team finished in sixth place, but then won the promotion playoffs. And they have very much uh, been out of their league, figuratively, literally. Worst offense. They're the only team not averaging one goal per match. Uh, defense is not much better, and they've got tied for the worst overall goal differential. Uh, they do have one guy, a veteran, who's been scoring quite a bit for them. He's tied for the top three in the league, uh, Bartosz uh, Spiaczka if I'm getting it right, which I'm probably not. Interestingly, he is a Polish league lifer, but he's got very little Division One experience. Usually he's been uh, down a little bit further in the Polish pyramid. As far as this team's current form, they just won their last game to snap a six-match losing streak. So here's to hoping that instead of getting blown out uh, 4 nothing or 5 nil, that they can have a little fun with this one and maybe get a big scalp. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. 
Yeah. Other than Oceania, there is only one Continental Confederation that we have not heard from yet. And thankfully, you did a great job. Bless you. You picked one from South America for the meaningless match, which, if you hadn't been able to guess, is two teams that are more or less smack dab in the middle of the table that basically nobody else is going to be talking about. Uh, nor should they be based on most shows formats. These, these are not teams that are probably going to get the international play tournaments. They're not going to get relegated. You're just sort of treading water. We're headed to Bolivia for another Wednesday match. They're in the Apertura stage in the Primera División. The league is 16 teams, and uh, the clubs have been divided into two groups of eight each. Uh, one club will get to go to the Copa Libertadores, that is their Champions League in South America, Two will go to the secondary tournament, the Copa Sudamericana. On the other end of the spectrum, one team gets relegated. One team will have to fight for uh, their uh, Primera División lives in a relegation playoff match. And I'm not sure why I say all that, because these two teams probably aren't going to be there. That's all the drama that they're avoiding. (laughs) By the way, there is a little bit of drama for them. As far as the league playoffs, which don't determine international berths for them, the top four out of the eight from each group do get to go to the playoffs. and, And these two are not doing too badly in that regard. Nevertheless, we use the aggregate for determining meaninglessness. And the one you have chosen, number nine, Royal Paris versus, or uh, Pari probably, versus number eight, Always Ready. And they are each a little over halfway through the single round robin stage. Uh, Yes, and I do have a note on the playoffs here. Both teams right now are just barely in the top four in Group B. So not the most meaningless, meaningless match we've ever had, but... Let's go with it anyway. Series between these two recently, always ready, have had the best of it. Four, three, and two record built up. Uh, They trail the top three by seven points right now. And uh, Pari lead uh, Universidad de Binto, the last place team that could get relegated, or uh, rather the second to last place one, by four. As always, we'll talk about our Hosts first, Royal Pari. I always want to say Pari because it looks like it should be French, but simply P-A-R-I with no accent mark anywhere. Uh, They play out of the biggest city, although it's not the capital in the country, uh, Santa Cruz de la Sierra. Uh, Pari is actually the name of the neighborhood within the city in which they were founded. Uh, They are known as, I believe, the Realtors, if I can trust my online uh, translator. That seems like it's very odd. I feel like something was lost there, but I'd rather call them that than the lions. Cause you know how I feel about lions longer time listeners. And they've got that darn animal on the crest. Choose something unique. Someone please. The club, by the way, is fairly young by South American standards, just 20 years old. A uh, fun side note in 2013, it's changed hands twice. I believe 2013 was the last time and it was sold to a Christian business or businessman. And so the team really has a huge following of specifically evangelical Christians that have come to the area and Christian Zionists are huge on this club. So a very interesting fan base. As far as the footy, uh, not a ton of success domestically overall. 2017, they did win the FA Cup. Uh, Last year, they finished in fifth place. Uh, By the way, and I say last year instead of last stage, Apertura and Clausura, because last year they had to condense everything due to COVID. So they just did one tournament rather than breaking it up into two. The team's record is just about spot on perfect for a most meaningless. They are three, three, and three in their nine matches, which is a negative one goal differential. The problem what's keeping them down is the defense a little bit. That's their weak link. They give up almost two points per match. Uh, on the offensive side, tied for second best in the entire league is Joel 
Amoroso. He is an Argentinian right midfielder, 34 years old. I told I told myself I was going to say that name straight, but it's just hard to. You got to have a little inflection with Amoroso. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. I have a lot of issues. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three with a goal differential of seven. And there's that defensive problem again. Nine goals conceded. Always ready. The visitors, they do play out of the capital. That is La Paz uh, here in the more modern league era for them. They only have one league title, but that was in 2020. Uh, The next year, they made the Champions League group stage. And because they finished in second place last year, they're also right now playing in the Champions League group stage or Copa Libertadores, I should more accurately say. They too have a uh, pristinely mediocre or meaningless record, 3-3-3 as well, but with a plus one goal differential. They have the opposite problem of their opponents today. Uh, They are a little less gifted on offense. Nevertheless, the guy who is leading the team in scoring, although I don't believe he's in the top 10 for the entire league, is their Argentinian striker, Marcos Riquelme. Team's current form, 1-1-1 in their last three. Offense starting to pick up a little bit, 7-5 and five goal differential. Now, I did also come up with most meaningless facts. I always try to do that if I don't have access to stats where I look for their most average or most meaningless players. Uh, the first one is for Royal Pari. Did you know that in the somewhat famous Paul Masola maximum security present, Uh, prison in that city, which like a lot of South American prisons, by the way, is absolutely anything goes inside. The guards, the staff, they're only worried about the perimeter. They don't care what goes inside at all. And yet children under six can live in a parent. They actually have a designated area for these families at the Palmasola. I've never heard of anything like it. And now that is interesting and perhaps not completely meaningless, quote unquote. So here's one that you might find a little bit more so for always ready. The most meaningless fact uh, as a Scrabble nerd, uh, did you know that if you take away all the duplicate letters in always ready and then uh, add a blank or two in the shortest words that you can get are day flowers and early woods, which isn't a type of tree. It's actually a part of the tree that uh, it relates to uh, the young rings. So do with that information what you will, which is probably nothing. So appropriate that our last match of the show is number 13, given what it is that we are celebrating or perhaps waggling our finger at sternly would be a better way to put it. Your final match is the match of Disappointed! That's right. It's a Saturday match, and you elected two egg suckers from the bottom of the table on Saturday in Lithuania. Top flight there is called the A-Liga. It's very early in the season there. It's far enough north that this is one of Europe's summer leagues. Uh, They're not very high up the coefficients. So uh, up on the far end of the table where these teams are nowhere near, you get one Champions League berths and three teams to the Europa Conference League. More relevantly here, two of these teams are going to get relegated. One of these I will just about guarantee, and the other one, well, we'll make no excuses. They could do better, but they're not doing well enough right now. Your matchup, number 10, last place, Leah Tuka Unova, taking on number nine, Jugas Telshi. And on your own time, you can look up, as opposed to someone else's, uh, you can look up to see that the the bottom two teams of the table, that the spelling when it's Romanized doesn't look anywhere close, but those are the pronunciations I found. Anyway, uh, right now, Jugas lead Unova by six, and uh, they trail number eight, Sudova, uh, which is usually much better, by just one point. So there is some still some hope for Jugas, and we will uh, 
well, we will not talk about them first. Let's pick on Unova first because they're not going to be around next year to really be picked on. Trust me, 0-0-7 with a 2-27 and goal differential. They do know they can play 11 players, right? This isn't 7-on-7. I have a feeling somebody's got to help them with their counting. Although they need help beyond that. I saw their crest first thing. And at first I thought, that is a really cool crest. It's a swan that kind of turns into a soccer ball in the drawing. And then I'm like, wait a minute, no. The outside of the swan is complete. And the soccer ball is clearly in the middle of it as if it's just been somehow choked down. It's, I don't want to call it nightmare fuel. That's too strong, but it is not a good crest at all. Anyway, uh, Unova is the nine, number nine size city in the country. It's only about 20 miles from a much larger city of uh, Conus, K-A-U-N-A-S. Uh, interestingly, the nickname I found for uh, Unava, uh, Unova, got to get that right, is, quote, home of the midsummer holiday, end quote. So apparently people that want to get away from the big city and have their summer holiday, they feel like they can safely go to Unova. The reason that I say that with some uh, skepticism is because uh, this club and this town were named originally after the largest fertilizer producer in the entire country over 90 years ago, Azotas. So I've Got to think it smells like you know what all over the place. It's not that big a town. Throw in on top of that, but relatedly, that back in, I want to say the early 80s, if memory serves, there was a big accident there. This huge cloud of ammonia developed that was like a 100, the parts per million or whatever for what is supposed to be safely be in uh, any any cubic meter or whatever of air and have it still be remotely safe. The amount of ammonia in this giant cloud was 150 times that much. And it did not stay still. It uh, uh, blew eastward, probably hit Countess, uh, because I know several people died and a whole bunch got really, really sick. So you know what? I think I'll save my midsummer holiday for somewhere else, perhaps. Now, truth be told, as far as the footy, it's not too surprising this team is where they are. Last year, they finished in second place in Lithuania's second division, and that got them promoted. So they're almost certainly going to go right back down. They weren't going to be able to spend the money, apparently, to uh, have any chance of staying up. Uh, they did, though, however, play 2016 through 18 in Division One. So it's not like this is a team that hasn't done it before, and they could do it a whole lot better. And now coming to try to take the title of worst team from them, if that's indeed what, well, that doesn't quite make sense, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Jugus, Jugus, I should have, I got to scroll back up for my pronunciations. The city name is actually uh, Telshi. It's in the Northeast. It's only about 20,000 or so. And I don't think their town nickname is the Happy Cheese, but it could be. Uh, Telshi means joyful or happy. But then there's also a cheese named after it. So hopefully it's a stinky cheese because this team plays stinky soccer. Also, really interesting side note that I don't want to forget. There's what looks to be a bear on the crest, although its jaw looks kind of weird, so I can't quite tell. Whatever kind of animal it is, it looks like it is clamping down with its mouth on a soccer ball. What is going on in Lithuania that all these animals are eating so many soccer balls that these are the emblems that are related to the clubs. I don't even find me on soccer noob USA for that one. I'm not sure I want to know. It's a very strange place, Lithuania. 
The club was first founded in 1923, but like a lot of clubs, it's had a lot of, it's been, you know, it's gone away and come back, rebuilt from, you know, financial issues. The current club was only uh, founded in 2014. Uh, last year was their first year in Division One, and they actually just barely avoided finishing in the bottom two. This year, they have yet to win a match. They are 0-3-4. That's a lot less stinky uh, than Unova, but uh, yet not by leaps and bounds. Uh, the stats are really interesting because they've got a slightly above average offense, but uh, the defense is second worst. Although uh, Unova's uh, defense is, uh, they concede over twice as many goals as this team. Now, this team has a chance, but if they can't at least get ahead of some of the small ballers this year, like Saduva and uh, Banga a little bit further up the table that I think will drop down, <laughs> we're going to see Jugas again. They do have one player doing particularly well for them. Tied for number three in scoring is Ivo Braz, or Bras, perhaps, B-R-A-Z. Portuguese attacker, 26 years old. Current form, they just lost uh, in a shootout uh, at home, 3-5 to five to one of the best teams of the league, uh, Zalgiris Vilnius. But interestingly, that snapped a three-draw streak. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! Boo! And that will do it for episode 79 of Soccer New Rock in America. Thank you very much to the management, to Dan, the Interno Inferno, to my daughter co-host, Person Noob. Mwah, love you. And thank you to you for listening. We hope you'll tune in again soon. Until then, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>